Hello and welcome to 99 from 99, the movie podcast where we take you back to the past and cover 99 films or more from the year 1999. I'm your stubborn Kentuckian host, Michael Denniston, joined every week by madman of the airwaves, Ben Zook. Why take a journey to the past? Well, perhaps like you, we've looked out our window and seen the world grow smaller, colder, and scarier. Not here. So sit back, relax, and come back with us to a time when theaters were full, tickets were affordable, and there were so many good movies, you couldn't possibly catch them all. That's what this podcast is here to do. So we hope you take the entire trip with us, 99 episodes on the films from 1999. you to hit me as hard as you can i'm scared to close my eyes i see dead people i believe you have my papler now that i've met you would you object to never seeing me again this is not just a couch it's just our couch take the red pill and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes leave the light on after bedtime I always thought it'd be better to be a fake somebody, a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. Not I don't understand why you're saying these things. You know that hurts. I know you're sorry, but it's got to stop. What's the matter? What were you doing? Nothing but trouble. You're breaking my family up. You're sick in the head. You break this family up and I swear I'll kill you. See what happens when you put things into people's heads. If you put them into their head and it, and it, and it steamrollers on. You've got to get these thoughts out of your head, Tom. You've got to stop it. They're wrong. You know they're wrong. You're acting like a child. <laughs> you just want everything to be nice and sweet. But it isn't. The the war zone. You listen to the whole commentary track on the on the YouTube's. Uh, what did we find I, out? I feel really bad for what I'm about to say about this movie. Now. Oh really? Why? Because I I wouldn't imagine this is one that you know people listening to a podcast on the films of 1999 that this necessarily has the uh, strongest defenders either way. Um, so I, I don't think you're going to be controversial here uh, other than, I don't know, would you say the film is controversial in any way, given the, the subject matter? Uh, I, I feel like this is one, even if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have not seen. This was a first time watch for, for me. So um, I, I don't feel like you have to defend yourself already amongst the uh, the many Warzone fans, Ben. I always feel like I have to defend myself. Um, <laughs> so I saw this back in... The Tilda Swinton heydays of 2007 after she had just won the Oscar for Michael Clayton. And I was really, really high on her at that point. And um, I checked this out based on based on that alone. And I remembered it being a being a tough sit. So so it wasn't one that I was looking forward to to rewatching. But I also, you know, basically forgotten, you know, the whole plot uh, of it. I um, <laughs> I mean, 13 years ago, <laughs> it's not an intricate plot. Like even you no, bring up Michael Clayton. Yeah. I'm like, okay, there's, 
betrayals and conspiracies and you know the lawyers and the, the car blows up and yeah the, the the war zone i think you forgot you forgot best bread best bread in the city you gotta try it that's my favorite that's part. pretty good that's a pretty good uh lecture from wilkinson there among his many rants that he has in the in the film uh, I actually forgot that Tilda Swinton won for that. That was a, a big upset, wasn't it? Kate Blanchett was... Uh, I'm glad you mentioned it. So, okay. I, I, you know, one of my proudest moments was predicting that both Tilda Swinton and Marion Cotillard would, would win that year. Uh, and, and neither of them were really considered the, the favorites uh, going into that to that Academy Awards. I remember being pleasantly, I guess, surprised because I'm a huge fan of Michael Clayton and uh, those type of movies. And, uh, you know, I'm not the world's biggest Bob Dylan fan. Uh, nothing against Kate uh, Blanchett in that, that particular film. Um, the War Zone. So I watched this about a year ago. Um, <laughs> like for many of these uh, these episodes, you and I are both sort of out of sync and that was a first time watch uh, just for this podcast that was on this list. So I'm I'm kind of surprised as far as you're mentioning maybe forgetting the the plot because I don't really feel like there is one as such uh, that can be uh, spoiled. It's a slow burn, uh, I guess a, a slow look at inevitable um, destruction that this man uh, brings upon his family with his uh, the terrible violence uh, that he performs on. Um, I, don't, I mean, can we even spoil this? Do, should we just say this is going to be... Can, is this spoilers? Well, you know, I guess you can say the whole... The, you know, I mean, to recap the plot a little bit before... before I mean, we basically were centered around uh, 15-year-old Tom, as the Wikipedia page says here, and him kind of... You know, him... It's him and his, and his older sister and his father, who's who's quite, you know... You know, not not right, and uh, and then we've got well, uh, Tilda Swinton, uh, who I would is say he's pregnant initially... at the beginning, and then and then gives birth to a child. Um, about he's gregarious, actually. Like I, I didn't, I, I just knew that I had actively avoided this film, uh, but when I actually got around to watching it, I I forgot why. Uh, and then you know, the, the the longer you sit with it, you're like, oh, this is why it took you know twenty years. Uh, to get around to it because it's a pretty brutal sit um but i i was watching when you were making fun of me uh me trying to refresh myself trying to find any sort of uh material any clips on on youtube uh and did watch some interviews and it seemed like ray winstone in particular and tim roth really were hanging their hat on the fact that this could be uh any family uh, you know, the, the mother and father characters don't have names. Uh, they're just are representative of the parents uh, to these two teenagers. And as you said, a new baby that's coming to the picture. Um, I disagree, I think, with both. Because I <laughs> I think in particular with, uh, I guess, our protagonist, Tom, I think like, oh, this is going to be another movie about like a weird little shit coming of age. Because I, I don't think, unlike his father here, unfortunately... Um, he's gregarious at all. He's very sullen. He's withdrawn. He's um, got a very strange relationship uh, or infatuation with his older sister, um, which you know everything starts to, to make a bit more sense as you you see what uh, the family life uh, is like in that that particular home. And I guess the, the only other plot point is that they have left uh, the city to, to move out into uh, appearing, apparently the middle of nowhere. It seems like they're totally isolated 
uh, and also good reason there. Um, but I, I mean, I don't think you can, I think when you get into the facts and just looking at the Wikipedia, uh, before they even get into the plot, uh, they call this a blunt look at incest and sexual violence in an English mm. family. Yeah. So it's not really a spoiler to, to get into it, I guess. So it's also probably likely a complete turnoff for anyone wanting sure, to sure. sit down for 90 <laughs> minutes to watch this. Um, I'll just get out of the way because I don't know how negative you're going to be. Uh, after not, having not, avoided... too negative, not too negative. Negative. Not too negative. Not too. Okay. Uh, I I don't want to say I really liked it because uh, even though it's been about a year <laughs> since I watched it, some of these scenes were very much imprinted on my mind and I had no intention of going back to have this experience again. Having had the experience once, um, I, I kind of felt bad that I'd let this one fall by the wayside because I think some of the performances here are uh, extraordinary i in particular like ray winstone um the, the, he has a scene when uh, very late in the film where you know the, some of the, the secrets if you can call them secrets or maybe the family is just starting to acknowledge uh things that they have willfully kind of ignored up to this point his behavior uh where he's talking to his two children that one of them he very well knows that he has molested her uh, for I don't know how many number of years at this point. And he is shifting the blame to his son for making up stories and, and basically saying that the, the greatest sin here is breaking up the family, breaking up what they have uh, is worse than the actual crime uh, itself. And it's this, I think great scene where it's almost like he's trying to, he's not even really trying to justify his, justify his behavior um, but he's trying to justify the, the status quo up to this point. He's almost passing off the blame on them because this is the way it's been for that long. So why are they just now bringing it to his table? Why are they now deciding that uh, this can't go on any longer in this family? What did you say to her? So you. What do you mean you saw me? So you with Jesse. I'm always with Jesse. I'm always with you. I'm your dad. I wish you weren't. Can you say that to me? I'm your dad. No, you're not. I hate you. What, what have I done to you for you to hate me? You're sick. No, you're sick. You're fucking sick. You're making me ill. I saw you fucking my sister and you've been fucking... You fucking shit. You fucking shit. Don't you fucking talk to me. You fucking shit. And you fucking say that to me. You're fucking sick. You talk to me like that in front of your sister. In front of your sister. You're fucking ill. You go behind my fucking back to your mother in hospital. You're going to fucking break this family up. You will fucking break up and I'll kill you. What are you fucking talking about? You're so fucking sick. You get in the care, son. You are going in the fucking care. You're fucking going you shit. You tell me things like that. It's just a really, it's really dark subject matter in just a really uh, kind of unexpected way, I think, for this to uh, to play out with all the, the characters involved. Yeah, so I, I mean, so I I think it's not good enough to have earnest intentions, and so the while you were you know lollygagging you know and watching your clips <laughs> on YouTube, uh, I I took the time to click on Tim Roth's Wikipedia page, and I found out that you know that he actually is a survivor of uh you know of incest uh, from from an early age and everything, and so. That, Something I discovered know, in my lollygagging, sir. There you go. I listened yeah, to I an interview with him. I didn't know him. that. I didn't know okay. that. Okay. So, and I do, I do feel bad, but at the same time, I mean, you know, you can't judge a movie by 
uh, when you know know by knowing that and then like carrying it in with you, you have to kind of judge it by just what your experience is, is with the material. And, and, you know, I just don't feel what, what Tom and, you know, the kid and Jesse, the older sister uh, are going through here. It, it, it feels so detached, so cold at a certain point that, that I don't really get, I don't really get a great sense for, for Tim Roth's viewpoint into the mm. story, despite, you know, knowing, despite now knowing the history of, uh, you know, of, of, probably why he wanted to do this and everything. Um, there's too many pregnant pauses. The, 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 the characters themselves are, are too much of a blank slate. Um, it, I didn't know, have a problem with that I, with Tom, the 15 year old, I didn't have a problem with. Well, so, okay. You don't have a problem with that with Tom, but with Jesse, hmm. you have a problem with that with the, with the sister. She is. I mean, it's harder uh, to discern um, because you know there there are sequences where she is she's denying what's happening to her. Um, like there's a sequence where uh, Tom confronts his sister, saying like I I know what's going on. I saw you two uh, in the bathtub, and it's weird because you know I as I'm watching it, I'm thinking before I know for sure what's what's going on, I'm already thinking that this family uh, is kind of awkwardly uh, close uh, as far as like the, the sort of the physical space that they share mm. and how they interact with each other. Um, and I, I think that's probably what I liked more about it is that um, it's not that the 15-year-old character of Tom himself is some uh, some innocent uh, who is going to, uh, uh, you know, just be the sort of like beacon of light and all this darkness. Like he, he has his own hangups given the, what he's, he's been raised in, uh, in particular with his sister. And I think she, she basically accuses him of, of jealousy. Uh, she explains that like, um, she was getting like in the bathtub or the father was, and they were just like, you know, it's, it's just a, a small, uh, small house. And that's, I, I guess just, those type of things are going to happen, which, you know, to me, and I think most people is already off putting at a certain point, the grown man and his 18 year old daughter are going to be nude in any sort of capacity Mm -hmm. uh, close to each other. Um, But I also don't know, like, I don't, you know, I I also get the sense that these people and how they interact with each other are very different for me. So um, I, I kind of like the disconnect at least with our, if we're looking at it from Tom's eyes where I would agree with you though, it's not in those, if you want to call them subtle moments, um, like, okay, one, some, one person's exiting uh, the shower, one's going in, that sort of thing, which is already a little icky, is the fact that we keep going back to this, uh, uh, what is this, like this seaside, like, fort, like, uh, mm-hmm. this empty, Yeah, that, you know, it's, it's extreme uh, visually, I didn't really... I didn't really like that we're taking out of this, I guess, quote unquote, like every man, every parent kind of household, the the nameless parents. And you have this sort of stark, uh, very dark, uh, violent imagery by the sea. Um, And this is where the, the, you know, the the rapes take place. And we kept going back to that with with Tom and to what you were saying, his sort of blank expression as he, he watches these uh, awful, awful events with his his father and his uh, sister. That yeah, that I didn't 
um, it, it took me out of the, I guess, the reality of the movie, which I don't know if that's the point. I don't know if that's, you know, it what feels so the, strange to me that he doesn't have an emotional reaction of, a, of yes, any kind. Yes. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's probably the point. But at the end of the day, it's like, you just feel like, okay, is it realistic that there are kids that, that would, that are like this, that would end up behaving like this in this situation? Sure. But do we necessarily need to make movies about them? Do, do you know, what, what, what's really gained? Um, you know, it didn't, it, it doesn't feel like the movie itself has much, has much of a viewpoint, um, other than to kind of, other than to kind of take these situations and, and, and exploit them for, for cinematic value. And that's, that's what I didn't care for, care for about it. And then there's an earlier, there's a very big, early ostentatious, uh, sequence here that, that reminds me, have you ever seen, uh, Blue, the Kieslowski movie? Right. Oh, is that the part of the uh, the colors trilogy? Yeah, the three colors no, trilogy. Not, I'm not seeing so it's very of those. similar, but very similar to that. And we have this big uh, car crash uh, sequence that that really really shocks you and and seemingly um, you know happens uh, comes out of nowhere. Uh, but you're kind of thinking, okay, this is going to be you know a big thing uh, for for these characters, uh, and it's largely not. It's largely you know it. It seems odd that the movie spends so much time and then uh, you, you know and then builds that it builds to that and then it really is ultimately not that consequential except for it's where um, Tilda Swinton has uh, the the baby and that's about it. Um, yeah, it's there's a lot that just didn't I didn't connect to uh, at all and and I do and even by the end uh, the characters do exactly what you would kind of expect them to do and in, in, in my opinion uh and and so i don't know i don't know what they're going for uh with with the way that the events unfold the movie itself doesn't have much of a viewpoint of what's of what's going on between these characters and i find that frustrating yeah i i could handle it and i did come around to because i i was i was actively kind of against the film because i really hated uh, this teenage son, uh, Tom, uh, and like almost instantly, uh, <laughs> kind of like what you're saying as far as why, uh, why must uh, all these these sort of dark looks uh, at at uh, teenage life be from a character who certainly doesn't deserve this experience, but you can see why his life is fairly miserable because he seems like a fairly miserable guy beforehand. Uh, and so, yeah, I was not really into following through the, the life of Tom here. I did feel like it made it stronger though, when he finally does confront, when he finally gives a warning to his mom about, you know, you should not trust dad around the baby. Um, to me, it was a little more powerful that it was coming from, from this character that I, I kind of wrote off, uh, initially as being, too too absent from his own experience in a way and not an active participant uh that being said i was not a fan of the i guess the climax of the story i was not a fan of like how they resolve everything i felt like the confrontation itself just verbalizing it was was all i needed and to continue on to where we have to have like a you know the the, the final ending of of dad um i I, I felt like that was a bit much. I actually forgot that happened really um, until I was kind of going back over it uh, during this conversation. I was like, "Oh yeah, that is that is where uh, the teenagers, you know, ultimately take take action." And I, I don't think it's necessary. I think I think once 
Tilda Swinton's character is informed, the story is then hers because it's then sort of her responsibility as far as what happens and how the family is protected at that point. I mean, you make an interesting point. I feel like the movie never, never really becomes hers at all. She's, she's mm. the most underused uh, participant here of the four. And, um, and granted, it's not like she was a big name uh, at that point. You know, she certainly became a much bigger name after, after this. Uh, but I, I still felt like, you know, it was a wasted opportunity. I mean, when we start the movie, she seems like such an interesting character. Uh, but, but by the end of it, it's like she's an afterthought. What did you think of the um, the use of the the, the baby here? Um, because Not that was something. Good. <laughs> okay, yeah, like what you brought up. So you brought up this scene in the hospital, and this is going to be weird. Uh, I don't know how to discuss it without it being weird. There's just these weird inserts on the child that seem to go on way too long and are, and are just totally unnecessary uh, in in regards to uh, the changing of the child. And and you know, I don't know. I don't have mm. children. So maybe maybe it uh, it's different for for people who do, but but I felt like at, from a filmmaking standpoint that was a bit too much of an ostentatious choice for for yeah, especially so. if, especially if they're going for something you know really grounded and mm-hmm. and and um and subtle and detached and everything it was very odd at that point in the film uh, for for Roth to do that. It also colors the mother character in a strange way for me that it, it makes me question uh how much uh as i said sort of the beginning of this conversation that she was willfully ignoring about what was happening to her or now uh grown daughter jesse and um uh, her teenager uh tom almost becoming uh, an adult uh, it, it almost seems like you know oh the, this innocent baby uh now now I'm going to become more aware of what this man, uh, what he's capable of. Like it, it pushes me to kind of hate her when <laughs> I don't feel like the film gives me enough information about it. So I'm just sort of speculating uh, how much she's just wanted to ignore what's happening around her because I, I don't know. It seems like the two of them, the husband and the wife have like a fun dynamic uh and you know you keep harping on uh tom in some way how cold and detached it is it also feels like there's a strange disconnect between and given what's happening it's understandable but it makes you question why does tilda swinton as the mother here not wonder why her morose children are not more like them like the father and the mother here they like to drink like tell jokes like to laugh you know they seem uh, fairly normal and close, and it's like, does she never question like what's happening with her two children that they are so far removed from from her and uh, the father? I mean, you know, they're just all being pulled by the strings of Tim Roth uh, here, um, <laughs> Mister Orange. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think I think my overall criticism is that the act of child molestation and incest and everything itself is already you know, already turned your stomach already is so shocking mm-hmm. that I feel like if that, the, that Roth as a, as a, did he write this as well? No, someone else wrote it. I feel like both the screenwriter and Tim Roth here, they chose to spend the wrong time on the wrong things. I would have rather seen more development with Tom and Jesse as characters uh, and less focus on the acts themselves that Ray Winston Fair is point. committing mm-hmm. on, you know, on uh, Jesse here. So, 
one one extremely long excruciating sequence um that it's like they they feel like they're building to but like, like with a lot of the revelations uh as far as the like i guess physical evidence as it were uh seems totally unnecessary and i guess what i'm interested in are the the, the conversations these these families are going to have when when one of them verbalizes that you know what what is the adult in the room going to do uh because I, I think we get it. I think we get what's what's happening here. But I was going to ask you: Do you, I mean, since you're kind of, I guess, lukewarm at best on this, um, would you have been interested to see what Tim Roth would have directed next? It's weird. This is his only uh, film that he decided to be behind the camera for. I think that's odd, considering that it did get good reviews. And and I remember, I, I certainly don't remember when it came out, but I do remember when I first looked it up. It, it seemed like like I mean, we got a good review here from from Roger Ebert and everything and it seemed like there like it got some good press when it when it came out and everything but yeah i i it i'm not surprised he didn't make another movie after this uh it it doesn't surprise me and i probably would not really be interested in checking out uh another film directed by him um hmm. but even if know. it wasn't on uh, <laughs> so, such a personal thing like let's just say if it was just like a good genre movie or something cuz i think it does good work with the actors here well, in this hypothetical world, sure. Uh, you know, Tim Roth makes some heist movie in, I don't know, 2002 or something. Yeah, I'll check it out. But it didn't happen. It's not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> he what barely acts in movies. I never really see him in movies anymore anyways. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good point. Like, I the, the articles I was, like, looking up to, like, uh, you know, what is what's Tim Roth into? A lot, a lot of the press that you're getting on the... I guess the SEO, as it were, or the uh, press rounds he did for the the Hateful Eight. So that was you know, that's uh, five years ago. Um, but you know he's doing he's doing fine. I'm sure. I'm sure he's doing his thing. All right, let's pad this out. It's Sunday night. I wanna I'm gonna finish my rewatch of uh, the Newsroom uh, here. So uh, let's. Oh, you hated it. <laughs> I never made it all the way through the newsroom. There were there were bits I liked, but it's like uh, Sorkin just I don't know. He just couldn't get in his out of his own way with that one. The, you're talking about unlikable characters. Like, so okay, know. you know what's funny is that the the quirky character stuff and everything that mm-hmm. I, I disliked that back in 2013 or whenever it first came out. But watching it now, I I, I like those things, and I really dislike the, all the dated. Uh, news stories that they're that they're mm. choosing to cover, and, and it's really it's really odd. There's like a I feel like you could create a you could create a drinking game uh, for mm. like every time they they mention Michelle Bachman or Occupy Wall Street or yeah. all sorts all sorts of other things that people at the time thought were going to be like these big you know colossal things, and then they just and it kind of fizzled out. Um, and it, it's really funny in that regard. <laughs> I I had the inclination to maybe. Uh, start a rewatch of the West Wing again, but I've never actually made it all the way through the West Wing. I think I've only oh. ever watched the Sorkin stuff. I don't think I've ever gone past uh, and finished the series proper. It's under the the last three seasons are underrated. They're very different, um, but they're really only slightly different. Like the the cast and everything, you know, they had been working with each other for four years and they know the characters, and so there's a lot of good stuff in season five through seven. It's certainly different. But I, I think it's underrated. There, there, some of the episodes past that point are some of my favorites. Uh, so you should, I'm actually, ironically, I'm also in the middle of a, of a West Wing uh, rewatch hmm. that's been going on for some time. And, and I'm somewhere in the middle of season five. And uh, yep, 
That's this is know. what happens. You bring <laughs> incest uh, to a feature film, and Ben and I will run as far as we can away from it. I even like the film. I like the film quite a, quite a bit, but not enough to rewatch it uh, for this <laughs> this discussion. Uh, uh, sports night. Where do you fall on that, Ben? You're not really. Oh, a sports I like sports guy. night. I like okay. sports night. I, I think Good. so. So if you want to know what the what the best criticism of Aaron Sorkin as a TV writer is, it's that he's made. Uh, three TV shows that were uh, the behind-the-scenes stories of mm. a of a of a TV crew, um, yes. and, and it, it's really like, like it's really funny when you think of it that way. Uh, but but I like Sports Night. I like um, the other one, Studio Sixty. Uh, I never finished you it, know, it, which it, I know it was only a season, know, but still, it has ups and downs. But I remember enjoying it. I don't remember. I think the unfortunate thing for me was anytime they actually showed any of the comedy. I think if he had just stayed away, like if it <laughs> if it was just about preparing for his version of SNL and then not showing any of the production numbers, uh, that would have been fine. Um, I, I remember there was a point where they had like uh, what's their name, La Scala, uh, as like the musical group on on mm. SNL, and I thought, you know, have you ever seen an episode of Saturday Night Live, Aaron Sorkin? Uh, you know, they don't exactly have you know have that for the musical guest. Uh, you know, <laughs> Uh, all right, so we're going uh, a little more populist on the next episode. We oh, probably yes. have to, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, coming off the war zone. I, I don't know what this one did financially. Two hundred fifty grand. There you go. Probably not bad for an incest uh, family drama. Um, you you already know what it is. Uh, so I, yeah, I there's think... no reason to quiz me. I guess this yeah, is a big we're going one. to. This is a big well, one. Here, here's for, a, here's a bit of, of a quiz then. Sure. Not about what we're talking about. Um, it's been very popular, uh, recently because I guess it, uh, and to some degree, stranger things, uh, inspiring the, the success of the, uh, the it reboot. Um, but in 1999, is this the only Stephen King adaptation or is there another one that I'm forgetting? Okay. Yes, it is. The only can comes between at pupil in 1998 and Hearts Terrible. in Atlantis in 2001, which I do remember that one. That is one of the that is one of the biggest disappointments uh, in mm. terms of Stephen King adaptations because that's a great book, uh, but but the movie was very disappointing. You should check out that book if you if you ever get a chance. Yeah, we are. Uh, this is good. This is a good thing that we have basically, and um, some the, uh, the some marketing hook way uh, Shawshank Redemption two with Frank Darabont uh, coming back to do Stephen King again and uh, Stephen King in a prison story. So The Green Mile with with Tom Hanks, which uh, I did see in its theatrical run. And uh, this will be, I think, the first time I've revisited the film. So 20 years. All right. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Not, not I. Say <laughs> tonight. Fight the break of dawn, come tomorrow Tomorrow I'll be gone, say tonight Fight the break of dawn, come tomorrow Tomorrow I'll be gone, there's a lot on the fire And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, feel free to do so on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at 99from99 99. I wish it wasn't so Say tonight Break up dawn, come tomorrow Tomorrow I'll be gone, say tonight And fight the break up dawn, come